Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to the Tim Stodds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest this week is Paulina Maranova Pompliano. Paulina is a writer, an entrepreneur, and creator of The Profile. The Profile is a media company that allows you to learn from the most successful people and companies every Sunday morning. Paulina and I first met each other during an invite-only mastermind session that was put together by The Hustle. And once I discovered Paulina's work, I instantly became hooked and I subscribed to her newsletter right away. Paulina combines a journalistic writing style with her own unique perspective and uses her insight to create profiles on some of the world's most successful people and inspirational figures. In addition, she writes a members-only dossier in which she does a deep dive on one specific figure and brings us the deep-level thinking, habits, and behaviors that these successful individuals emit in their lives. This was my favorite conversation that I've had yet on the podcast, I walked away from this interview feeling inspired and ready to take action on my own work. Paulina just has mountains and mountains of insight and courage and inspiration to share with the world. And I know for a fact that her media company is going to be a huge success for years to come. So please help me welcome Paulina Maranova Pompliano. Well, Paulina, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thank you, Tim. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I wanted to start off by just jumping right into your work. You are the founder, the owner of The Profile. It's a weekly newsletter. It's a media company. It's a publication. I want to start off by saying that like, I'm a really huge fan of your writing. And as a writer in Fortune Magazine, you wrote a great story about quitting your job and <laughs> going all in on the profile. So please tell us your story. Yeah. So uh, very quickly, I was born in Bulgaria. And uh, in 1999, my dad won a green card to come to the United States. So we moved, of all places, to Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> and I, even as a kid, like, I still have little journals from when I was six years old yeah, where I wrote. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's just so interesting to look back and see, like, I loved writing. Like, I loved the process. And um, in that stupid little journal, I still have, like, I would write letters to my uh, family members and then hand it to them and then be like, okay, you got to write me a letter back. And then I'll respond to them. They're like, this is pointless. This is not a letter, but it's kind of cool to see how like my brain worked to that point in time and why I thought writing was necessary. So then, uh, we moved to the U S I, both of my parents were chemical engineers. So I always thought that I would be on the science track, even though I, I did not like it. I, I liked the research part of it and I liked writing the lab reports, but I hated doing the actual experiments. So in high school, I was on, um, I was in the science magnet program. So I took like biochemistry and organic chemistry in high school. And then we had a choice of an elective. So I chose um, to join the newspaper club. And that just like changed my world. I loved the newspaper. I was a really shy kid. Um, and uh, like when we moved to the US, it was kind of like other, 
I wouldn't call it bullying, but I would call it like being the odd one out. Like I, I kind of stayed to myself. I didn't want to be the center of attention. And then journalism kind of brought me out of my shell because the second that I had a notepad, I could walk up to anybody and ask them any question. I was like, what a cool job. Like you can ask the most interesting people questions and then write a story about it. Um, so kind of found my love for journalism there, went to the University of Georgia, majored in journalism, uh, became the editor-in-chief of uh, UGA's newspaper, and then graduated, didn't have a job, couldn't get a job, <laughs> moved back home with my mom in Atlanta, and I freelanced uh, at CNN and USA Today on the social teams. And then for about a year, saved all the money I could, moved to New York, which was had always been my dream, moved to New York, worked at a media startup, but at the time I didn't know what a startup was, so I was just like, it's a job. Um, and I, did, I didn't do journalism there, I did social media, I did marketing, but I learned about kind of all the business aspects of running a journalism startup. Um, and then from there, I interviewed and got my job at Fortune, uh, doing social media because at the time everybody was hiring for social media doing social media moved into uh writing about entrepreneurship and venture capital and then ended up writing uh the daily newsletter on deal making and startups called term sheet and overall i was at fortune for five years before deciding to leave to do the profile the thing that caught my attention there is there's always those moments right where like you have a plan in life and you have sort of like a trajectory especially as a young person where like you think you're going to go this direction and like yeah this this makes sense right and then something happens that you never saw coming and then you just say to yourself like this is what i want to do like actually i don't want to do biochemistry at all mm -hmm. um this is fun and this this really speaks to me i feel like that happens to everybody at least once but it takes a lot of courage to actually say to yourself, you know, like this is the, this is the path less taken. And like, this is a scarier route, but has a lot more potential for like fulfillment in my life. It's a big move. And I'm very glad that like you decided to take that chance because it seems like it's paying off. Yeah. And I, I read a little bit about uh, the stuff that you've written about your own life and your own story. And it, to me, I, personally tend to get along and be uh, so intrigued by people like you because people always get mad when I say like, uh, the profile is about studying from the most successful people and companies. They're like, oh, success like that. And it's just like, I don't define success how everybody else defines success, like the mainstream uh, definition of it. I define it by having, being a person who has the courage to keep reinventing themselves and change things in their life that uh, honestly, like what you've been through, so many people have gone through, but I think that um, pe people's definition of su success is like, oh, well, you didn't just graduate college and get a full-time job and exactly what you wanted to do. And your life took this like weird path, but because it did, you are who you are today and you've created things that can help other people. And to me, like the layers of a human are so interesting and success is doing something failing miserably, falling on your face time and time again, and then learning from it and creating something else that could, could help the past you and the future you and future generations of people. So I think that's really awesome. Thank you. 
I think you and I could probably geek out on this topic a lot because you seem like a person who sometimes I look at the world and I hear people say things like I'm bored or like this is meaningless. And it has a little bit of context now because the last nine months with COVID and stuff like that. But even with COVID every day, I read something new or I find a new story and I think to myself like, there's so much awesome shit out there to like be a part of and to participate in. And like when I, when I see you talking about that and like how animated and excited it makes you, <laughs> I, I can, it seems that you feel the same way. Like there's only, there's only possibilities, um, not to say that there's not challenges and like shit we need to figure out, but like, why not, right? Like why not take a chance on yourself to do the things that make you feel alive inside? Yeah, when I was in uh, college, I had to write a profile and I was really struggling with it because the, the subject that I had 17 or 18 year old me was like, oh, like this person, I literally, they're so boring. So I went to my professor and I was like, listen, like literally this person is so boring. I can't, like, I can't do it. And he was like, uh, there is no such thing as a boring person. They're only boring because you haven't asked them the right questions yet. And that just stayed with me because it's like, oh man, there's people who maybe more private, who don't you know, necessarily always talk about certain things, but you're never going to know about their story until you start asking questions and until you like figure out like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to you or you did this. And to me that that's like, that's the power of a profile is that it shows the the complexities of being human and everybody's everybody has an interesting story you just have to kind of discover it yeah i want to stick on this topic a little bit i i want to talk more about the profile and like i mean to get there but yeah, you yeah, yeah. keep saying things that are so interesting <laughs> so you mentioned in like your writing career that you stuck with journalism and your writing style is, is journalistic, right? Like there's different ways to write and you mentioned profiles and you mentioned interviews and, and, and journalistic pieces. I've never been a journalistic writer. I don't even know exactly what that means. I think you know what I'm trying to say, but have you ever seen The Wire? You ever watched The uh, Wire? I haven't actually. Okay. Well, there's in season four and five of The Wire, there's a big like journalism piece. And every time I look at it, I was watching it with my wife, I think like, man, that must have been so fun before the internet when like newspapers and like stories and journalism was like the place to be. And there was those pits with all like mm -hmm. these stories flying around and notepads. Uh, I've always been like envious of those kind of writers that, that seek a story. You know, when, when I write, I'm basically just expressing myself. I'm probably like overly philosophical and deep or whatever, but I have a hard time finding a story where it's like, there's a story there and like, I want to tell it for me. Yeah. It's like I have something inside that like I want to express. So it seems like your writing style, like I said, it is very much more journalistic. And I want to know a little bit more about like that process. Like, why do you get off on that so much? Yeah. So, um, I, Actually, I've struggled with this a lot because when I first started in journalism, to me, I had all these professors who I really looked up to and they were very much like the reporter's reporter. They, they were like, you gotta, you know, you have to stay objective. There's no room for opinion. You gotta present the facts and the reader can make up their mind themselves versus you telling them what you think and where you come from and expressing all this stuff. And I, I, completely believe that and I completely abided by that. Um, and it wasn't until I started writing 
term sheet at Fortune, uh, which is the daily newsletter. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to present the facts. You take what you will and you make up your mind. And then what you kind of realize, like the feedback I got was, well, you know, I know the facts. I want to hear based on your experience covering the space. What do you think? Like they wanted more analysis than just straight up facts. To me, um, the beauty of a profile is that it's not only dependent on the subject being interviewed and the subject of the profile. If you and I went and did two different profiles on um, the same person, we would come away with different stories and pick up on different things based on our different experiences in life, right? And you would choose to highlight something else over another thing because of the way you see the world. Um, so I think as long as people were honest about where they come from and why they have their certain biases, it's okay. What's not okay is what I see a lot in media these days where it's like they're presenting opinion mass or they're presenting opinion masquerading as facts. It's not fact. Like when you read a story or when you watch CNN or Fox or whatever you watch, those, that's not journalism. <laughs> that's entertainment. And, and, I, I really want people to understand that because I think you, whenever you watch something or you read something, always look to the original source, where that journalist got that from. Um, because I think stories are fine, but there's so many ways to write a story that's, that can change the way you view reality. Um, and it's dangerous. <laughs> so to me, it's like, I always thought like, oh, wow, journalists get to document history in real time, right? Um, but over time, I'm more interested in profiles and the people um, in learning from individuals than I am in like reading uh, news stories from three different outlets that all have the same facts, but tell me something. Completely <laughs> <different>. <laughs> 2020, man. <laughs> Yeah. That bothers me too. And <laughs> I, part of the reason why I'm so passionate about my podcast and about my own blog and especially the work that we've been doing at Copy Blogger is because I trust, I, I, how do I say this? The smaller independent media outlets that are more long tail, right? People yep. like you and I that are just popping up over and over again. It, it democratizes the value of information. And I feel more informed now by getting my information from probably like five to 10 different smaller yep. media outlets. And then being able to kind of combine the fact that there's a little bit of bias. It's not like overly intentional, right? right. It's just like in the context of that writer's experience. Um, and then take some of this, take some of that, take this, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say opinion, like this viewpoint, right? And put it all together to basically create my reality of the world. So totally. why I think that it's so important to have these conversations is because as time goes on, more and more and more and more and more people are getting involved in the work that you and I are doing. And like, I think that even though it's scary, that's ultimately a good thing because somehow like the truth and the value in content is going to shine through. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like with all these newsletters, part of my worry is that it's actually going to further divide people because suddenly you're not subscribing to one media organization. Suddenly you're subscribing to 
your favorite reporter at that organization. And so when we start, you know, subscribing to all these people, you can get the exact type of perspective that you want. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I think that, for example, for me, I subscribe to so many different people, individual people with so many different uh, perspectives that like you, I'm able to piece it together and have an opinion for myself. Yeah. I'm optimistic about that for sure. It's scary, (laughs) but I'm optimistic. Okay. Let's talk specifically about the profile. Okay. Um, You've already touched so much on it. You already gave away your tagline, uh, a weekly publication where you learn from the most successful people and companies every Sunday. Other than the experience that you had leading up to that, like what was the catalyst of that moment where you said like, this is an idea, this is an opening in the content market, let's call it like, I'm going to go in on it. Yeah, so um, I actually started the profile in February of 2017. And I did it while still having a full-time job at Fortune. I never once thought that this newsletter would ever become a business that I would quit my job for to do full-time. Never never in a million years. I just thought of it as something like um, I get to do this on my downtime. And it's stuff that um, I myself am interested in. And, and that's it. Like there, there wasn't anything more to it. And then over time, I, I kept doing it. I kept doing it. I haven't missed the Sunday since February 2017. Um, so over time, you kind of earn people's trust. So the readers, I started having so many interesting conversations. And then in January of 2020, I started like more seriously thinking about like, what would I, I didn't even start with what would the profile look as like like as a business. I started with what would the profile look like if I had a hundred percent of my time to pour into it? Cause until then I was working on it on the subway in the evenings on the weekends. It, it wasn't the majority of my time. So, um, so I just started like doing some thought experience experiments of like, what would this look like? And then, you know how sometimes when you have an idea or you start thinking about something or a question, all this stuff um, that just affirms what you're thinking pops up. So suddenly there was an article that I read that said like, um, you only need a hundred true fans to uh, have a really great business. You don't need a thousand people. And I was just like, oh my God. So I started going down that rabbit hole and I could not get it out of my head. So in January, I was like, I'm just gonna experiment. So I um, added two sections to see whether people would pay for something, for a newsletter. Right. I, as a reporter, I never saw people paying me for my work directly. The reader obviously never paid me directly for my work. So I, I still had this mentality of people don't pay for content. But Substack kept showing me that there were people who were willing to pay for high quality content. And so um, I started experimenting. I put up a paid version of the newsletter to see how many people would pay. And it wasn't a lot. (laughs) It wasn't a lot at all. And I was just like, okay. But the people who did were the people who were like hyper, hyper engaged there from the beginning. Like Mm -hmm. I knew the majority of them. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, well that's interesting. Um, but what if, and and I got feedback from people. I originally set the price at $10 a month, a hundred dollars a year. And I got a lot of feedback like, "Mm, I wouldn't pay for this at 100, but maybe 50. And I was like, that's interesting. So then I dropped it and um, it, the, it expanded. Like more and more people were signing up. So then 
I was looking at the growth and I tried to do some math and back into it. Like my goal was I just want to replace my salary. To me, success would mean replacing my salary in one year. And um, in, in the way the growth was going, I just didn't think that was possible. But then what you fail to account for is that when you do this full time, you're going to spend all your time and energy trying to make it better, trying to, you know, uh, get it in front of more people. And that's exactly what happened. Like the chart, uh, when I look at it <laughs> um, from 2017 until 2020 is like, it's like a stepping stone. And then, um, and then it, it literally goes up on March 20th, the day I quit my job. So it's just like, it just shows you that when, when you think about things, when you try to back into growth and math of like how much money you're going to make, you also have to account for the X factor, which is you doing it full time. Yeah. And focus. Um, yeah. There's something that I think anybody that has ever like had a goal and achieved it, you can't quite quantify exactly how you value focus, but something happens when like all of your thought is put into this thing, e even if that thought doesn't necessarily equate to time spent, right? It's exactly. just little things. It's like, I'm thinking about this. So that person I meet at the coffee store, like, hey, what do you do? Oh, I have a newsletter called the profile, check it out. Or it's like everything that you read, you're reading in the context of how is this person doing it? Where can I learn the lesson there? Um, I'm just a really big believer in, in the power of focus, right? Like the yeah. things that you think of are the things that you get. And it sounds like that was like a lot in, in just as like, I'm not discounting effort, right? Like when you went full time, your time went into growing it and promoting mm -hmm. it and probably making your content a little bit longer and finding more resources to curate and all that. But I think there is also something to be said about, it's just the only thing that you think about. And for me, mm -hmm. like when I obsess about things like that, which is kind of a problem, but <laughs> yeah. like it, it always, it always leads into like a good result for me. Absolutely. I think obsession is something that people don't talk enough about, but yeah. I was watching something with Tyler Perry yesterday in which he said, like, a lot of times all of us have so many things we're working on and idea after idea after idea. Um, and he's like, it's like watering a garden, but then you have so many plants, you eventually like run out of water and not like the plants don't get enough water because you're trying to water everything. Whereas like if you had one plant and you pour your entire energy into it, like that thing will be the one that's, you know, brings you fruit in the future and all this stuff. And it's just like the, the benefits of uh, obsessing over one thing, I think are much greater than uh, diverting your focus all over the place. Me too. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the audience. Like, who are you writing for and what exactly are you trying to, like, how are you trying to serve them? Yeah. So I love this question because it's never changed in the way that I know who the reader is. Um, they're typically, it's like they range age and location and profession, but they're all really, really curious people who want to improve in some way. Um, but when I write, the only person I write for to be totally honest is myself. Like I, I don't think about, Ooh, what are they going to say about this? And what's somebody going to criticize on this? Like to me, it's, do I find this interesting? Do I feel like what I'm going to say someone else will find interesting or learn from? And if the answer is yes, I just do it. I don't have a particular person in mind when I'm writing. Um, and I also never actually think about people reading my stuff, which is really weird, but I, I never do. And then when I publish it, I'm like, oh my God, people read this. 
the best piece of writing advice I ever got was to write for one person. Uh, even little things like when I would write newsletters, I would do things like, Hey everyone, or like, how are you guys doing? It's like, no, no, no. Like mm. you are writing for one person. So I started doing things like, Hey, you or like, what are you doing? Just simple little things like that. It's, it's a, a different relationship with the audience, but like you said, it's also a different relationship with myself because yeah. in my mind, I think you is, is me, right? Like when I say you, I'm speaking to myself. That's something that I've definitely struggled with a little bit. Sorry about that fire engine. Um, oh, yeah. And I am always looking to people like yourself that seem, your content is so polished, and like everything that you put together seems so purposeful and every article has like a context to it. Like there's no randomness. The story that you write a lot of times is related to the other curated pieces that you, you put together. So is that because like you're interested in the stuff that you find? And so that's like your underlying baseline or is that audience member still somebody that you're trying to reach through that content? Yeah, I, First of all, thank you. I definitely don't think of it like that, uh, which is great to hear that it looks polished and intentional. But yeah. basically, the way the way I do things and the way I come up with ideas is um, I go on a lot of walks and I consume a lot of content. Uh, I was talking to James Clear one time, and he said that his writing always suffers if he doesn't read enough. So if he hasn't been reading a lot, his, his own writing suffers, which I find the same thing. So I try to listen to podcasts and go on walks because now obviously nobody's on the subway. I, I don't have anywhere to go and um, it's kind of uh, fallen off the, the track in terms of listening to things. But when I do that, like for example, um, I recently this week published something on the creative process. That I had that idea about writing something about the creative process three weeks ago. And for the last three weeks, I've been talking to people, I've been thinking about it. And also, uh, as I watch things, I just like throw it into a Google Doc, just the link or my thought. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> for example, in that piece, I have the creative process through the lens of three very different people. Um, one is Lady A, they produce music. Um, th their creative process is kind of different from Chef Grant Ackett, who's uh, the head chef at Alinea, and he's super creative. And then that's also different from Casey Neistat, who like produces these really cool videos, and um, he thinks about it in a different way. But the whole idea is the most innovative people and the most creative people in the world, they revise, they ask questions that most normal people do not ask. Uh, for example, Grant Ackett, who um, he loves art. He's a chef and he goes to a museum. He looks at a piece of art and he's like, hmm, why can't people eat off of this? <laughs> why are we constrained to the plate manufacturers who design plates and bowls and silverware? What if we ate off the tablecloth and it looks like a piece of art? And I think like some people would never think to ask that question. Um, but like that kind of thing, I, I take, 
I throw into this Google Doc and then I sit <clears throat> and Tim, it's like, for me, it's like a puzzle. I really love jigsaw puzzles. So the way that I write is very much like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. I don't write top to bottom. Sometimes I start at the end and I write back. Sometimes I know exactly what I want the middle to say, but I don't know how I want to start it or end it. Um, so it's just like kind of putting these things together and stitching it together. And I live by <laughs> this quote that Malcolm Gladwell said. He said, the most interesting um, like uh, books or art or food um, are the ones that leave an aftertaste. They're not perfectly blended together. It's the ones that you remember, the most memorable books, the most memorable pieces of art are ones that leave an aftertaste. So it's the same with people. The most interesting people aren't perfect. They just, they tend to leave like something that sticks in your head and you're like, oh, you know? <laughs> that is such a great quote. And my, my wife and I have this weird concept that we talk about sometimes. Uh, the very, do you remember the show Entourage? Yeah. Well, when they were doing the season finale, there was like the, the pre-finale where they kind of did, you know, like the feel-good interview thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I forget what the guy's name is. It'll come to me. The guy that played Ari Gold, um, he was driving in his car and he was talking about an experience that he had when he was in theater class. And his grandmother told him, endings matter. And it always mm. stuck with him. And there's something about when he said it where it just, it always stuck with me. And there's so many different instances where like a show or a book or, or a piece of content might be like really, really good, but it doesn't leave an aftertaste like you talked about. Mm -hmm. Like the ending doesn't really get you. It always reminds me of, um, you ever read the book? Ah, uh, shit. Um, Stephen Pressfield, uh, The War of Art. I haven't read it, but I've read excerpts of it. Yeah, everybody that battles with that struggle um, really should read it. But the very last page of that book, I swear to God, was just the most beautiful thing I ever read. It stopped me right in my tracks. And I grabbed, my wife's name is Juliana, and I, I called Jules in the room. I was like, Jules, like, you got to listen to this. And uh, because of that, like that impact that it had, that ending, it stuck with me. It, it created an aftertaste it makes you want to take action, whether that action is to change something in your own life or uh, tell your significant other or gift the book to someone else. Like, I think those are the most powerful pieces are the ones that make you want to take some sort of action. You don't just read it and you're like, I've literally read this 800 times before. As much as I love sticking on like this artistic plan, um, I do also want to talk about sort of the business side of mm -hmm. newsletters. You're, you said that you have a subscription-based newsletter. I had Hamish McKenzie. He's one of the founders mm -hmm. of Substack on my podcast a while ago. Uh, I couldn't believe that he came on my show. This was before like people even really listened to my podcast. You know, he was really approachable. And I, he made me a believer in that model. He made me a believer for two reasons. One, because he himself is like a real proponent that people value good information. It's not mm -hmm. just some, some like esoteric shit that we pick up on the newspaper box and we throw away and we never think of again like we need it it's part of the human yeah. experience and he said he believed that people would be willing to pay for that and it, it looks like he's right uh, however as a content creator myself it's scary because the model is like you said you're not using content to sell a product or like sell attention leverage or you know sell a service like you're yeah. using content to sell content so if people don't like what it is that you got to say they ain't gonna pay for it right um so first off talk to me about the subscription model like how does it work and then 
also, how is your particular style? Like, are you all subscription based or do you have a free content that leads to maybe like a higher level of subscription based? I know people want to know this question for this. Yeah. Um, so fun story about Hamish, uh, when I was thinking about leaving fortune and starting, uh, it, it starting to do the profile full time, I met him in this like coffee shop in New York and I, I mean, Tim, I was all over the place. I was like, I don't know. And exactly what you just said, like, I, I think people want to pay for it, but like, what if they don't? And then what if I start and then everybody unsubscribes and then like, I'm, I can't pay. It's just, I, I was going down this like rabbit hole and he basically, it was just like tough love. He was just like, <laughs> how old are you? And I was like, I'm 27. And he's like, Oh my God, quit your job right now. I'll be mad if you don't. And he went on this <laughs> tangent that basically made you realize, like he told me about his own story and kind of how his life unfolded. And he was like, if there was one thing I wish I did is, done that even sooner like even you know he's like when you're married and you have kids and you have a house and a mortgage you're not going to be doing this do it now if you fall flat on your face do it now and like get it over with basically um and it it just kind of it stuck with me and i quit my job like the next week but (laughs) the point is that um all those fears are fine it's just combating them uh with reason and logic um because i'm the the most risk averse person you probably ever meet. And part of that is like, we immigrated to the United States. I saw like, yeah, I I saw how horrible it was. I saw like my parents barely making ends meet. And to them and to me, it's like, if I ever got um, a stable job with benefits, with whatever, I'm staying there for the rest of my life. Like I, I never thought why would I take a risk? I saw how painful that can be, but also how rewarding, right? And so, um, so when I was thinking about doing all this, like just basically it was a lot of uh, <laughs> a push and pull with my own self. Once I finally decided to do it, I went all in. Because once you kind of set your mind to something, you're like, okay, well, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump. And um, I decided that I would spend one year just focusing on the profile, not freelancing, not doing all these other distracting things one year. And if I could not do it, if I couldn't replace my salary at fortune, I would do something else. And, um, because of that, because I gave myself that time frame, and because I had money saved to be able to do that, um, it helped because I was hyper-focused, right? So everything I did, the back of my head was, will this help the profile grow. Um, so yes, for example, I freelanced one piece for the hustle, um, where I interviewed Josh Wolf, but to me, it's like, I know Josh, I think he's really interesting. I know it'll be a great interview and a great piece that people can learn from. I did that and it published in the hustle and the hustle included, um, the link to the, to the story plus a sign up link for the profile. And that helped me. Right. Um, so subscription, is the main way I make money. Um, the profile is free for everyone. So the, the bulk of the profile, which is um, eight or nine curated long form profiles, you will get every single week for free. There's two additional sections, which are audio and video recommendations, documentaries, TED Talks, podcasts. That's included in the, the paid membership, as well as um, for the paid members, uh, there is every Wednesday, I send a profile dossier, which is a deep dive into an individual person. And uh, those are only for the paid members. But 
I, over time, I continue to kind of add value for the people who pay. Um, and I, I don't raise the price. I just, I, I want to provide more things for them. So there's like events and meetups and virtual things that they can participate in um, if they're part of this like members club. And then the other way that um, I've, I've, it, it's interesting. I, I didn't think that this would be an avenue for, um, for revenue when I first started, but it's popped up a few times. So I think it's really interesting, especially if you're a writer. Um, a number of companies came to me and said, hey, we'd lo love to license your content. And they pay you for that and you don't do any extra work. And they choose you know, the best um, articles from your site and they republish them with attribution and you get paid for that. Um, another thing is you could have sponsors. So the whole idea of Substack is subscription only, but every once in a while, uh, for example, I had Bessemer Venture Partners, they had a new podcast. So in the podcast section, I included one podcast, said that it was sponsored by Bessemer, but it was actually high quality and I would have included it anyway. Like, I, I don't believe in including things just to make money. Like you have to actually believe in the product. That's why I haven't had that many people advertise in the profile. Um, but that, that was one way. So all these little like small avenues for revenue are coming together and it's, it's great, but it's just diversify what you can while still being a hundred percent focused on your product. The licensing thing is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I mean, we were just talking about it this morning on copy blogger. Like there's so much content out there. When is it to the point where like, in the same way that there's curated newsletters, like why not just make curated blogs? Why not just make curated magazines? You know, I mean, at this point, there's 4,000 blog posts on copy blogger. Like how much longer mm. are we going to try to say different shit in different ways where the thing that people might want is just a one-stop shop to like the greatest minds in content. So I, I think that that's really cool. Um, and I'm like a fan of that, especially because it's like kind of free money. Like all yeah. you got to do is keep doing what you're doing. And then, and then eventually, and if people like it, yeah. yeah, like it's, it's giving me hope in my own stuff. I, I try not to speak too personally on my show, but I almost feel like you have some good insight here because I've always seen my blog as just a way for me to grow like a brand. And then maybe one day something will happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and luckily um, I, I started creating online companies years ago. So it's not like, I'm in this position where it's like, I got to figure out how to make money off of my blog. But the thing that I always wanted to do is exactly what you're doing is just, I just want to make the quality as good as I can. And mm -hmm. then that content is itself the product. Um, it's just a leap of faith, you know, and you would think that after all these years and after falling on my face so many times, like the fear of falling on my face would go away, <laughs> but Nah. <laughs> Tim, have you seen that um, that ten meter tower video? No. Oh, so good. Okay, I'll send it to you after this. But it's um, a mini documentary, and it's like maybe sixteen minutes long or something. It's called the Ten Meter Tower, and it's basically um, <laughs> all these people. Uh, at the top of this tower, and the only thing they have to do is jump into the pool. But when you're that high, the pool looks tiny. So it was so, there's people, there's like young kids to an old lady, to everybody in between, to like guys with like tattoos. And they're like, oh shit, I can't jump off of this. Are you crazy? One of the guys was like, he looks super tough. And he goes, 
I don't know, man, a 90 year old lady can do it, but I can't. <laughs> and it just shows like it, it, um, it captures people, right? Like in their moment of fear, you can see them shaking and they talk, the way they talk to themselves tells you whether they're going to jump or not. And it was always the people who were like, Ooh, I don't know. This looks really scary. But then they're like, you can do this. You were made for this. And the way they pump themselves up to jump. Like, I wish, um, that we all do that in some way when we're mm. scared, but it's like, which voice, uh, wins, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like it's almost embarrassing knowing that a couple of thousand people are going to listen to this and they're like, Oh, come on, Tim, you got it. But I'm like, Oh shit. I, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know. <laughs> I want to give it a shot. Seriously. Um, I, as much as I'm a fan of Substack, like a little bit of a technical issue for me, just because I like having all of my content, like on my own domain, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's something that I think about, but, um, but I mean, when I talk to you, I haven't stopped thinking about that conversation with Hamish really like a year and a half later, like it always gets to me and I've done it a couple of times and I put like member press on my site and I sold like four of them. And then I thought like, it's only four people. Nobody wants this. And then like, mm. I'll refund them their money and I'll fucking like <laughs> take it down, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So first of all, thank you so much for your time. Like you're really are a pleasure to speak to. I, I want to finish off with uh from this this time talking to you it's clear that you just have like a lot of ideas that go through your head and you seem very focused on what you got going on and and that's great and i hope that you continue with that focus but like where do you think that you're gonna take this you're you're really on to something like you really really are on to something and i think there's like a world of possibilities for the profile Mm -hmm. so what's like what do you dream about so I remember talking to someone back in like 2017, 18, when I had started the profile and it was getting some traction and they told me, yes, I like it, but it's not a, it's a nice to have, not a need to have. Right. And, and he was like, basically it won't scale because people don't need this for their jobs or for whatever. And I thought about that and I actually think he's wrong because if you look at something like uh, humans of New York, it's massive. It's bigger than most blogs or newsletters or even media companies, right? It gets more views than some media companies. The reason that's important is because it shows that people are interested. There's a human interest element in learning from fellow humans, right? When I think about the profile, you know, that quote where people say like, um, basically the the five closest people you surround yourself with is the type of person you'll become. Yeah. Well, when the five, let's say you're living in uh, Philadelphia or Fort Lauderdale, you feel kind of stuck. You don't have any role models that you could look to um, and their path doesn't really mirror yours. It's really hard to get out of your circumstances. Tyler Perry in that interview I watched yesterday, he said, Honestly, I didn't have many role models. My role model was Oprah, and I watched her on TV. He didn't personally know Oprah, but he was able to look at her story and hear her lessons and learn from her directly, even though she had no idea uh, she was like teaching some young kid in high school. So to me, the profile is like, I, I get to surround myself with the most interesting people in the world every week because I'm literally going down really, really deep rabbit holes to understand their habits, to understand the way they think, the way they see the world and why. I've literally had, I've done dossiers on people who have 
literally the opposite um, worldviews, and I still take something from it because even though one person says one thing and the other says another thing, I'm able to understand it from an like empathetic point of view of like they say that because of what they've been through. So the reason with the with the profile, I think it can be a massive like human interest company where you can learn directly from the most interesting people in the world. And um, I would argue that that is a need to have because you are, you can take actionable tips and lessons without you yourself having to go through them. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> so I actually thought about this um, after I did the profile dossier on Grant Ackett, who's uh, the chef at Alinea, who thinks in a really non-conventional way. So my original vision for the profile was I want to write profiles and eventually, instead of curating them, have profile originals and slot those in, right? But then I started thinking about just like how Grant asked, why does food have to be in a plate? Why do we eat food out of a plate? why do we read profiles? Like the, the thing to me is like, we live in 2020, the magazine format is really outdated. Yes, people have experimented with adding video elements and audio elements and whatever. The main attraction is the text. And I think that I wanna rethink completely what a profile is, right? How do we learn from this person Yes, in their own words, but how do we like get to immerse ourselves in their journey and understand it intimately versus me reading an article about what they went through? Like, that's fine, but what's a better way to learn and what's a better way to understand their life? Um, so part of it is still me figuring it out, <laughs> but I think like asking those questions has led me down some really interesting um, thought patterns. Yeah. I think you're onto something there. And um, I'll kind of close with some insight here. Uh, as you know, or may have seen, the first website I ever started is a site called Sober Nation. It's basically yes. a resource center for people that are in recovery, right? And we've spent thousands of dollars on like doctor formatted content and like directories and resources. And till this day, the biggest attraction to that website is we gave people um, a quick landing page where they can submit their picture right? A little bit of like what happened, how they got sober and what their life is like now. Mm. And that content, like you talked about those emotional relatable pieces, yes. even though like I don't even create them. It's just an open platform for people to do it themselves. I, I think people need it. And it shows in how much that content gets shared. It shows in how much people reach out to each other after they read each other's stories. Like mm -hmm. when you said, it's, it's a want, not a need, and you challenge that. Or when your friend said that and you challenge that, yeah. I, I just think that you're really onto it because we need each other's stories. Like we, we need to lean on each other. And I, I think, I see what you mean. It, it's difficult to see exactly where that's going to go, but I, you're, you're getting there for sure. I think you're onto it. Thank you so much, Tim. I, I, I hope so, but I think it, it's very similar um, in terms of like, for someone who um, has an addiction and they're, they're trying and it's like they, until you reach them on an emotional level, it's very hard for someone to read a dry article about all the reasons you should probably stop drinking. But if it doesn't move you and if it doesn't make you want to take action, it's pointless. Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, Paulina, thank you so much for your time. This was honestly my favorite conversation I've had yet on my <laughs> podcast. Like you were, you were great. I feel like I learned so much from you. Uh, okay. Read the profile.com. Yes. Uh, Paulina Marinova, I think yeah. on Twitter. Um, yep. I'll have all of the show notes on, on my site, timstyles.com and the show notes on the podcast as well. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? That's it. I think you're a great interviewer. This was awesome. Thank you. I I really appreciate it. Um, We'll do this again. Let's keep in touch. Let's do it. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.